0: From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun.
1: If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect. And we want to help you find them. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate.
1: Hey everyone. Welcome back. You know what time it is. It's time to talk about cars because it's something we never do.
0: You realize this? Is there is there ever a time to not talk about cars? I we're starting <laughs> to drive my wife nuts, by the way. She said to me recently, she said, "You know, I think I used to like Paul coming over to the house more than I do now because frankly, all you guys do is, is sit on the couch and talk about cars now, which we always did, but I think we it has gotten did. worse." But I think yeah. It's, hilarious. it's time. Well, it's, it's definitely time, time
1: it's time for podcast number 38, which is not really notable in itself. It's just it speaks to how much fun we're having and how much Fun you are listening, and you're writing in a lot. We're getting so many emails yeah. from people writing yeah, in yeah, saying, yeah. "Hey, you helped me out with you know this purchase, and based on what you said, I like this." And so we're going to keep doing the um, the episodes where we talked about who bought what and why. So we're going to keep doing those in mm-hmm. the future. So we, if we you should. do we buy should. a car, if you do buy one, write in. Tell us what you bought, why, what was it based, you know, in part or. You know our recommendations. We're very curious about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to keep that going. So, we're, well, you we're know there thrilled. were
0: those those couple of there were those couple of emails this week, Paul. That that somebody, that a couple of guys. You, I showed them to you. A couple of guys wrote in just to say, hey guys, like what you're doing, and I bought this car. Kind of getting in your headspace. These weren't even car debates we did on the show. They just have been listening, <laughs> yeah. and it has somehow kind of equipped them. I'm thrilled to hear this. It's kind of equipped them in how to think this through, and they sought out a car they love. Ultimately, guys, that is the key. thing. Thing. We, the, the whole thing, you know, there was this other thing that came up recently. Somebody was talking about why is this show called Everyday Driver? I think some people think that that means we're going to drive the most boring commuter vehicles out there. Our point has always been have a car you love that you can drive every day. That's where the show yeah. premise comes from. And I love that you guys are finding cars you love. I, I mean, yeah, definitely write us in when you found
1: something. It, it's great because, as you said, you know, people are are trying to think, you know, how would Paul and Todd approach Car buying like this, and so they're they're writing in, yeah, with, cool. You know, listening and and sort of equipping themselves. And I will say, the only time we do drive those boring cars is when we use them as production vehicles, <clears throat> minivans. Uh, but well, we do. Yeah. But well, they're I mean, great production cars somewhere
0: crazy. Yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. And, and then and then the thing, the times that you and I wind up traveling somewhere, we don't have a press car, we have a rental car. We look at each other, we go. Wow, this is awful. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> that's
1: hilarious. All right, so we've got two car debates tonight. First is Lamar in Illinois and he's 18 and I am I'm tempted to read the whole thing. So I will when we get there, we will read you the okay. whole scenario because he's looking not for himself but for his dad. He's yeah. kind of getting a hand-me-down little bit mm-hmm. and he's looking and for Dad's his dad. A new car. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I like this again. We've done this before where people are writing in, you know, looking for family members or friends, wives, mm-hmm. girlfriends. Whatever that is. So we've got Lamar. We're, we're going to cover that. Lamar, we're very excited to, uh, to cover. And we've also got Daniel. I don't know where Daniel's from, but he's written and posted on yeah, our website about how much he's, yep. he's listened and watched, which is great. And his yeah, wife you. and family have experienced a temporary but <laughs> sustained moment of insanity and allowed him to get a fun <laughs> second car. So we get to discuss. Yeah, it's that, it's that this great, is great.
0: It's that great moment of life of, OK, get <laughs> something funds. So we get to talk about that. That'll be awesome. Before we do those, I wanted to take a little bit of a, of a side note into reliability. We don't speak a lot on reliability on this show because, obviously, we're driving these cars for a small fraction of time. We are going to start doing some long-term ownership videos. That is coming. But anytime we find a decent source about reliability, we want to share it. There are a few of them out there. But just in the past couple of weeks, there was a write-up about uh, J.D. Power, who, of course, they do their, like, an initial quality, which I kind of find irrelevant because guess what? All the cars are new. <laughs> exactly. But 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 the exactly. thing that's interesting is they do also a long-term vehicle dependability study. What The way they do this is it's, uh, it's thousands, tens of thousands of cars in all brands. They stay with the original owner and their three-year-old cars. So their 2015 study came out recently. So these are cars that came out in 2012. They're still owned by the original owner. And the way the study works is what are the number of problems per 100 cars. So if you have 100 Mm -hmm, cars mm -hmm. and you get 100 problems, that is kind of a, okay, one-for-one scenario. They found the industry average, I know it sounds like a lot of math and numbers all of a sudden, but the industry average they found to be 147 problems per 100 cars in the first three years of ownership. I wanted to talk about this, not to break down those numbers specifically, but because all these brands, and you and I talk about this all the time, Paul, all these brands, any car brand has a reputation for reliability, either good or terrible. Yeah. What I find interesting about this list is this is current. This is the current lineup of all these cars, the last three years of these cars, and the list is not what I expected. I think it it, it, it throws over some perceptions of some of these brands, both good and bad, and I wanted to touch on that briefly.
1: It's turned all of our preconceived notions that we grew up with as kids or our parents take to the to the showroom when they're buying cars. I mean, yeah. heck, your dad owned American cars for ages and drove them into the ground and put lots of miles on them. Owned them, them for – for, for, forget five. that for a second. Has –
0: only owned American
1: cars. <laughs> That's true. The,
0: but, I mean, I, the last couple of times my parents, in, in spite of us doing this show and driving all kinds of stuff, the last couple of, ta- couple of times my parents have bought cars. I have recommended non-American brands, and it's like I was on mute for that part of the conversation. <laughs> so – Not not only are they American cars, but generally they're almost always GM product. I mean, this is what I grew up with. I mean, rarely did we wind up with anything that wasn't even GM. And it's because, I mean, this happens to my parents, it happens to everybody, you wind up with a car that you hate because it never gets out of the shop and you don't like it and you you are convinced that that car represents that brand across the board for all time. That's why studies like this are interesting.
1: I find this fascinating because, I mean, you and I get to drive a lot of things, especially yeah, you know, uh, FCA products, Chrysler and Fiat products, and you know various mm-hmm. cars we get in, we go, wow, this is intriguing. Hyundai comes to mind, you know things like yeah. like that. We get in, and it turns our preconceived notions on its ear, and we have to throw mm-hmm. that out, and all we can do is mm-hmm. just keep marching forward and keep you know awaiting car manufacturers to to bring us what's new and and just observe and and really appreciate what's going on. I, I feel like it's such a such a great time to be into cars, really. And speaking yeah, of agreed. GM, well, uh, and they've got three yeah, go in this top 10 list. You realize that? Oh, yeah. Three oh, yeah, of yeah. their brands. And I popped open the the link that you shared here. I popped that open and looked at number 11 was another GM mm-hmm. brand. So just outside of the top 10. Cannot yeah, I mean, tell GM is
0: pretty much... In the top ten, I mean, their 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 quote unquote lowest ranking car is 123, which it kind of tied. The Chevrolet and GM tied yeah, for right. 123 problems per hundred vehicles. And remember, the average is 145. In fact, I'll give you the average. The the car that hits the average, BMW. So you uh-huh. want to talk about reliability uh-huh. for a modern BMW, it's straight up 50-50 folks in comparison to the rest of the market. I'm not saying in comparison to other BMWs. I'm just saying in comparison to the market, a BMW is about average reliability based on this study. So that's kind of an interesting center point. They're right up they're right there with Infinity holding on to the average. But you're right, General Motors
1: is all in the top 10, which is kind of shocking. Well, and think- number 2 is Buick. Yeah. <laughs> you'd think Japanese cars would dominate and populate everything. I mean, German cars, mm-hmm. yes, as far as build quality, but this is vehicle dependability. So little yeah. electronics and little things go wrong and mm-hmm. so that, you know, drops their Absolutely. score down. So you'd think the and Japanese the stuff- brands would dominate, but that isn't the case.
0: Buick It's that little reliability Buick? stuff. It's that exactly. It's that little reliability things, the electronics, the the interface, the and they actually said that, that a lot of the problems here in this study fell into the interface, the electronics interface, and transmission issues. So I thought that was interesting, too. And you're right. You would think the Japanese are going to rule that, but not necessarily. There's a lot of Japanese brands in the middle here. I mean, Infiniti, Mitsubishi, Mazda, Nissan, they're in kind of the middle of the pack. Now, they're above average. I find it interesting that Subaru, who is killing it in sales, is just below the average which is a surprise. Volkswagen is in the bottom half of this list, which unfortunately is not a surprise. Uh, The Dodge products, sorry to say, in the bottom half of this list. But I want to focus kind of on the top 10 because nobody's surprised by the number one, which is Lexus. Lexus Lexus has built its brand on its reliability and it remains there. But I do have to say that number two Buick, ahead of Toyota at three, Buick, number two, what is going on with the world?
1: I don't know. It's my understanding that Buick's are pretty popular in China and it's pretty much a prestigious thing to be yeah, middle class yeah. and, and kind of work your way up to a Buick. Whereas here in the United States Mom, at least I bought we, a Buick. We look down our noses at Buick and yeah. no You're longer. Right. I mean, honestly, the more I, I look at these cars. I think of in terms of design and the kinds of people working in the styling studios, they're mm-hmm, passionate mm-hmm. about cars and they are doing some very interesting, sculptural, beautiful things. Now, we think Buicks, you know, your grandparents might have driven one. It's either that or a Lincoln or something like that. But Yeah, you know, and we're not in that world anymore. That's true. We just aren't. So no longer can you convince either of us that American cars are bad and you shouldn't buy an American car. Yeah. And I'm talking car, not trucks. American trucks yeah. dominate the end. If you're buying a pickup they truck, do. American or nothing. But American <laughs> car, really? I mean, <laughs> really.
0: Um, well, but here's the thing. In this, in this top 10, though, I mean, you're right. Bu- so Buick's an odd, I, I will also say this. I mean, Buick is almost a niche brand. So, you know, if Buick has somewhat reliability, okay, congratulations. Lexus obviously sells a ton of cars. Toyota is number three. Of course, that's connected to Lexus anyway. That, yeah, kind of no surprise cars. there. But, but hang on. You and I on this show have recommended a lot of Cadillacs. We've talked Cadillac a lot of times. And there's a lot of people. If you go to our YouTube comments, if you go to the comments about about this show, people a lot of times are like, Cadillac, GM products are terrible. Folks, number four on this list is Cadillac.
1: And what's amazing, ahead of Honda at number five.
0: I was going to bring that up. Ahead of Honda. So, <laughs> and, and look, nobody's debating that Hondas are unreliable. Hondas are reliable. Honda, my joke with Hondas is they will run in spite of you. Yeah. You forgot to change the oil. You didn't think about it. just keeps running. Yeah, but yet Cadillac, hilarious. in these last three years, Cadillac is currently showing itself on this list. Look, I'm going to side note. Yes, this is one list. Yes, this is one year. This is not the end-all be-all. I'm sure it will change. But come on, folks. Cadillac at number four ahead of Honda. That's something there.
1: That's great news. I, I love seeing this. All right, so Honda, we know are reliable. We, we know and love Hondas. Porsche comes in number six. Yeah, but number six.
0: tied with – that's the thing. Porsche tied with Honda. Which I am – Come on, folks. That's reliability right there. I mean, you can't see me, are, but
1: I'm doing a fist pump in the air. I mean, Porsches. I love <laughs> Porsches.
0: You just walk around doing I, the Porsche fist pump, I, I think. Do. It's just kind of your natural state of being, just Porsche, <laughs> Porsche, Porsche. So we, we shouldn't enough. hang out there any longer. But it is interesting because we talk about that as well. I mean, I know there, there are those that say, look, I'm never going to buy a Porsche. It's too expensive. It's too unreliable. No, it's not. It's very reliable. It is. Now, they're not yeah. cheap. When you have to pay for something they aren't cheap i will acknowledge that but you are dealing with a car that not a lot is going to go wrong now obviously when it goes wrong on the honda far cheaper well, but yeah. as reliable as a honda is quite an interesting conversation for a prestige and german brand like porsche
1: you know what i'm looking at is the the brand that's after porsche i'm i'm kind of i mm-hmm. am shocked i'm shocked out of my tree Because nothing about this vehicle lineup is compelling, interesting. Nothing about these cars do I want to drive. Honestly, hate to
0: say it. We're we're talking about Lincoln. Lincoln came in above Mercedes-Benz. Now, Mercedes-Benz has been climbing in the ranks for the last probably decade. They used to be at the bottom of this list, folks. Early 2000s, they were not doing well. They're at the the, the top quarter of this list, which is impressive. But they are a step below Lincoln. And I actually almost feel like Lincoln and, and Buick are doing the same thing here. They're just selling so low volume that if the cars work halfway decent, you kind of scored. I, I I just I agree. There's nothing really in the lineup that's compelling, but clearly they're working well. What I find fascinating, though, about Lincoln sitting there—did you think about this? Ford is
1: in like the bottom six. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. And all the
0: Lincolns. All the Lincolns are essentially, I mean, they're reworked to some degree, but essentially they're all built on Ford chassis. So how are the Ford and Lincoln that divergent in three-year reliability?
1: I mean, not often do you see Porsche next to Lincoln or Lincoln next to Porsche in (laughs) in any kind of comparison (laughs) or anything in the automotive world. But here they are together. Lincoln is a stutter step behind Porsche, and Lincoln Mm -hmm. is in the top ten. Ford is near the bottom which is surprising yeah. because, yeah, you Which think they're weird. not redesigning wiring looms or, mm-hmm. you know, various yeah. window switch parts or, you know, engines for that matter or going where? What's Agreed. the difference? Agreed. Is it build quality where the the various cars are made? Maybe because know. you know various know. vehicles, but I mean in for for most of Lincoln's life, in in recent memory, not through the '60s and '70s, but you know what I mean. Just yeah. it's been a badge engineered product. They put. More chrome mm-hmm. oh, and a definitely. different badge, and really they're Ford's.
0: <laughs> the so... answer is more chrome. Yeah, I hear you. You're, you're right. You're That's right. what they say you at dealerships, at, but you dealerships. Know. At least in the case of the GM product here, all in kind of the top 11, those are related, and they're clustered kind of in a group together. Right. To see Lincoln at the top quarter of the list and Ford at the bottom quarter of the list, I, I do. I'm with you. I wonder where the separation happened there. Yeah, right. I mean, a lot of the Chrysler field product, too. unfortunately, is at the bottom altogether in a cluster. But here is this split, and that is surprising. I, I feel like we could riff on this list for a while. We should probably, probably move on. But I just I wanted to, to, to take a little bit of time and talk about this because, folks, here's American brands. In the top ten, here's Porsche in the top ten. Yeah, I you know Lexus, Toyota, these aren't surprises. But to see some of these other automakers really going toe to toe with them on reliability alone, dependability, and enjoyment in in a hundred vehicles, that's that's pretty cool.
1: I mean, I'm kind of bummed to see Jeep kind of down at the bottom of the list, but I take comfort in knowing that they're far ahead of Land Rover. So. I, I like that, and I like my Jeep. It's pretty awesome.
0: You're, the, point, the point you're making here is that the Jeep is, is in the bottom three, but Land Rover is, is the second to last with nearly 50% again more problems. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And I'm very curious about the long-term, your experience on your Grand Cherokee. I mean, it's a fantastic vehicle. You've loved everything about it so yeah, far. Yeah, I have. I'm curious to see in two or three years what you think of that car. It'll be interesting to talk about that, too.
1: All right, well— to your point, let's move on. We've got Lamar in Illinois, yep. and he's written in because he's 18. He's going off to college in the fall, and he is the mm-hmm. family car enthusiast. And I told you that we wanted to kind of read this whole thing to you and yeah, read that f- middle paragraph, that flesh big out Why this, not? this whole story here. So Lamar, his family is uh, – we'll say it's a Toyota and Lexus family. They're kind of keeping it all in the family with the Japanese thing going on. Yeah. And I I, I want to make a point here. As I'm reading, keep in mind about what we've just talked about, and that is brand perception and that American cars Mm -hmm, are bad, Japanese cars are good. That is no longer case. But here's the deal. His dad's got a 2012 Toyota Camry, which means it's about three, maybe four-ish years old. Call it three and a half. That's not an Mm -hmm. old car. His mom's got a 2013 Lexus RX 350, so she's got the egg. And dad's getting tired of the Camry wants to give it to Lamar for his college experience. So that mm-hmm, means mm-hmm. Dad is looking for a new car somewhere in the low 20000 range and wants to get, you know, something that is what he's used to about the Camry. Gas mileage, Japanese, runs well doesn't care about any of the other decent
0: stuff he's not an enthusiast he's not an enthusiast right. he wants good gas mileage I mean he, he wants a worthwhile I, I hate to say this but it's a borderline appliance car it needs to run all the time it needs to connect to his phone it's got to have you know proper electronics and and decent gas mileage I mean these are let's be honest this is the standard non-enthusiast approach to car buying there's nothing wrong with it and he's hitting all of those boxes. And he's staying in fairly new cars, too. So keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the rub. Lamar has been pushing his dad towards anything other than the Japanese brands. He's pushing. He's said here. Chevy, Dodge, Volkswagen, anything else. Mm-hmm. And his dad refuses. Now, we don't know why. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it's prior perception. Because things have yeah, changed question. dramatically in the automotive world, as we just read in this J.D. Power study. Yeah. And you well, cannot based, yeah, point based on to exactly on these Japanese what we're talking about. You cannot do well, that I mean, any longer.
0: Look, the Jap look the Japanese brands clearly are still doing well. That's not like they're in the toilet by any means. I'm of not course. suggesting that. And obviously, they've got a Toyota and a Lexus, and we talked about those being brands in the top three. So clearly, reliability is great there. But there is the the alternate question, which is why not. A u.s brand why not a chevy product Mm -hmm. because and i and i do wonder you may be right i do wonder if that is a perception thing of well those cars are terrible and they aren't really that doesn't mean it's going to change the situation lamar but but you're right I, i i applaud you for trying to branch your father out i wouldn't say volkswagen just because again that's the bottom quarter of the list we just talked about and let's not, you know, well, and, and Dodge isn't doing well either. But but the Chevy stuff, well, a Buick, you look at a Buick, but but you're interesting that you're trying to push him away. He's landed, and he also doesn't like the the Altima. He's not that fond of some of the Nissan products. I mean, we're we're, we're killing ideas here, right and left. <laughs> right. And so he's right. looking at getting a Lexus, the CT, which is their kind of quasi hybrid hatchback thing. He's looking at the CT, maybe an ES Lexus. Or a 2015 Corolla, I'm going to say right now, stop it. No 2015 yeah, Corolla. No, Don't I agree. do that. I agree. Or possibly a Honda Accord. So this is the world that they're in. And he's going, hey, guys, help my dad out. Get him into something kind of cool that meets his needs. I've got a couple of recommendations here. But where are you, Paul?
1: I'm glad. Well, I'm going to swerve the bus and just go into <laughs> one little thing that I noticed in here. Because Lamar says his dad says the only feature he cares about is the head unit. That can handle phone calls. He wants Bluetooth, apparently. Mm -hmm. I've got to say that that doesn't go with the car. You can get that technology in any car. (laughs) I can put that technology in a 1930 whatever. You can put that in a 1910 Stutz Bearcat. That technology is portable. You can wire that Uh up. Crutchfield, the catalog, has enormous amounts of head units you can stick in any car. If that's the reason you're getting rid of a car... My Stutz Bearcat has Bluetooth. I like that image so much. I'm just... You know what I mean. It's not about the technology. You and I ripped on... Mercury, when the Mercury brand was still around for a while because the commercials were selling you cars based on the technology inside. We're going, yeah, yeah. huh, well, oh, how it does it drive? The, it How's the engine the, power? How's it, it, was it when the
0: my Ford. It was in the my Ford Sync first came yeah. out and it was oh on some Mercury product. And over the entire 30-second commercial, I, I remember we talked about this, joked about this, it's an older commercial obviously now, but but over the entire course of the commercial, the car never had to actually move or drive or turn under its own power. You could have <laughs> rolled it. You could have pushed it with a bunch of people, rolled it through the set without an engine oh in it, gosh. and the commercial would have been fine. The entire commercial was based on look at the technology in this car. And you're right. You can get any technology you want in any car. It's just a matter of money and, and, and getting it wired in. But any modern car, you're right, crutch field or however you want to chase just down your, uh, your aftermarket setup, <laughs> I mean, I put a actually very high quality for the money uh, Bluetooth streaming audio and, uh, you know, Bluetooth phone system in my 05 Saab 92X. That wasn't offered in that car. Yeah, and I got one in there yeah. that wasn't expensive and works wonderfully. It drives my iPod on one side, it drives the Bluetooth on the other. I can make phone calls. It does everything you could want. And it cost me like 200 bucks. I mean, this is not even hard. So you're right. You're I don't know that you want to go aftermarket stereo. But it, but it, it. You're right. It's incredibly easy. But hey, technology. You go. I mean, I'm baffled at this. You and I've laughed about it. You go to buy a car. Typically, sit down with a car salesman and let him tell you why you should buy the car and see how many things he gets through before he mentions anything about how it drives. Right. It's all about right. the technology.
1: It is. Yeah. How do you like that stereo? Se- um. Hmm. Let's talk about handling and engine power first. How about that? Anyway. All right. Getting but back. But we're not on normal. The, I will acknowledge. Back that. on the so freeway. Yeah, back to Lamar. Back to Lamar. I have one suggestion. Well, two, but it's out of your dad's price range. I've got one Uh, that I think really hits the nail on the head. It's the Mazda 6, the 2015 Mazda 6.
0: I totally agree with you because that was my number one thought as well. That's interesting. We don't normally hit the same exact nail, but that I agree with you. Mazda 6, please go drive that car.
1: This is a pretty car. I'm looking at it here on the uh-huh. website, on the Mazda USA website here, staring yep. at this thing going, it starts at 21000 U.S. So that seems to fit your dad's budget. It is mm-hmm. not the things that he's, you know, not a fan of, like the Altima. He's, It's not a Camry. It's not a Corolla. It's not an Accord. It's still Japanese. It's going to have the yep. technology yep. that he wants. I promise. I promise it will have it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's the price it's got range, Bluetooth
0: streaming, and everything. All of that, absolutely.
1: I think that's the car. It's going to be a little bit Good different. Good
0: car, nice interior, unique looking. Those look great on the road, by the way. The trunk is this weird fixture of physics and, and <laughs> geography, and I don't know what they've done. You, 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 I remember mentioning this to you. You open that trunk, and it's like, how far does this go? It's huge <laughs> it's, in the trunk. Now I realize that's not a factor here, but but look at that Mazda six. They are really cool, great interiors, interesting to drive. That is a great also-ran in this Camry Accord world that most people look past. You really need to give that car a look. Uh, I did yeah. also include that. I, I think that is a number one choice for Lamar's dad. I I, I can't avoid the Honda Accord, though. Okay. I will okay. say that the Accord, look, I, I find their interior styling to be a bit bulbous. The buttons are just big. But I think the Honda Accord is interesting. I think a, uh, a, a you could certainly get a new one in what you're talking about, get everything you want. I think that is better. Because you actually mentioned in here that he doesn't like the brand new Camry. So the brand new Camry's out. But the new Accords, you know what, Lamar, those are pretty cool cars. There's a reason they sell so well. They are great cars. You could look at a used Acura, like a used well, okay. TL. Yeah. What do yeah. you think I of those? I can see that. You know, that's that that could be that could be that price point that would be the better version of the Honda Accord i'm not hugely fond of the beak shield styling thing but you can't overlook those cars certainly go drive the Acura that would run really well rhinoplasty
1: it needs rhinoplasty yeah,
0: it's crazy drive this car i have one wild card I have one wild card for Lamar. I, I mean, I really feel like everything else I've, that we're saying, I don't feel like any of it I like as much as the Mazda 6. But I wanted to throw out some other options. And I have one wild card okay. that is a real curveball, considering what Lamar has talked about.
1: Okay, What about a
0: Chevy Volt, the a used Chevy Volt? You know what? The, the discounts on those right now, since the new model's coming out, you might be able to get a new Chevy Volt. Hmm. That has every bit as good or better miles per gallon than you're getting on the Camry, it is a very different car, I will acknowledge, but it is an interesting car because of the fact that it'll run electric. I mean, look, you're looking at the Lexus CT. I'd much rather have a Volt. I mean, yeah. I just would. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and the Volt is kind of a, you know, it's kind of a quasi-hybrid. It's it's kind of a, the Prius platform in a different, I mean, I'm not going to chase the rabbit, but you know what I mean. The, sure. Uh, but the Volt is worth at least looking at. I, I Even if, this is what I would say to you, Lamar, even if he's not, really interested would never buy a Chevy, fine. Go drive the Volt so that your dad can say he's driven it. Because it is a very different drivetrain, what it's doing, how it's built. It's not anything he's driven before. It's worth at least going to look at, just as a kind of, hey, open your mind, look at this thing, see what it's like. I don't know that it's an answer, but it's a worthwhile wild card here.
1: That's a cool wild card. That's a cool choice. And I will add to that and kind of dogpile on Lamar and saying that you know, if if you're up for it, maybe put the challenge to your dad and ask him why isn't he considering a Chevy or a Dodge or something else, and go driving mm. and say, well, of course we're not buying him; we're just here to drive, and yeah. that way he can tell you at that point why he doesn't like it. Well, what if he does? Horrors upon horrors! What if he does? I'm just saying. Could be. You know what? It might solidify in his mind why he doesn't, which is great, and then he'll say, well, it's because of blank. Or Whatever reason yeah. that is, but at least you and he will have that benchmark. It'll be a fun father-son thing to do together. I think it was really thing. I was thinking
0: really the same great. thing. I mean, yeah, could be a fun Saturday. You and your dad yep. just go to your your car dealer row and just hop in a bunch of things that are in that price point, whether they're serious considerations or not, is almost secondary. Just be a fun outing, and it's yeah. a cheap outing too. Let's just go drive a bunch of cars. I mean, that can be really cool. Yeah. Anyway, we should move on to Daniel. Daniel posted for us. We're leaving these kind of more realistic cars and going into fun second cars, which we haven't delved into in a while. Daniel is married. He has a couple of kids, uh, two small boys, and the boys and the wife have said, you know what, Daniel, go get yourself something fun as a second car. He has a 2011 G37X Infiniti, and uh, he drives that, and it's fine, but he's looking for straight-up Fun. He's watched a lot of our reviews. And apparently, a lot of our reviews have done to him what it does to us sometimes when we drive these cars, which is our garage isn't big enough. There's so many we like to have, or we would consider if we had the space and the money. He's had that problem. He's looking at RX-8s. He's looking at 350Zs, 370Zs, the S2000, the MX-5. He's just going, guys, yeah, yeah. help me. I'm drowning. So this is kind of fun.
1: This is great. Here's the list. He wants it to be naturally aspirated. He likes that bill, that shove in the back, mm-hmm. not the turbocharged punch. Yeah, that
0: classic. Yep.
1: He likes yep. that. He wants it to be reliable and I will say reliability, you know, any car you've got to keep going. Even Hondas and Toyotas and Chevys and all yep. the, the reliable whatever cars that we've just whatever been talking about, you have still got to put money into them to keep them maintained. So whatever we throw out here, you're going to have to invest in and that will help the reliability. Handling true, is up true. there. He wants to do the windy wooded road. Say that ten times fast. But uh, yeah, I'd rather not. But he, thanks. He's uh, suggesting a lot of convertibles here in his uh, mm-hmm. in his list here. I noticed which I, that too, which I, noticed I like. That too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm cool with. I'm, mm-hmm. They're all the usual suspects to me, and and to everybody listening, I'm sure. I like that. I've got uh, one, maybe two suggestions that are. Kind of outside okay. that, that I want Daniel uh, want cool. to good. consider. Good, good, Manual. It's got to be a manual transmission. And here's Yay. the rub: 20 grand. That's the max, uh-huh. 20 grand used mm-hmm. or new. That's what he's yep. looking for. So here's what we're working yep. with. And like I said, he's named those usual suspects: RXA, 370, S2000, MX5, yep. FRS and has got to be uh, in there too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to speak to Daniel's thing about reliability for a second. He He's right. Nothing kills your love for a car like oh man, it's got to go in the shop again, or something else broke. I mean, you have those people that like the 60s Roadsters or the whatever, and part of their love is the fact that it barely leaves the garage and they work on it. This is not what Daniel's talking about. Daniel's talking about, I've got a few hours, it's a random Saturday morning or whatever, I want to hop in this car and go drive it and enjoy it. And if it doesn't start, or it leaves you stranded halfway through, not only do you hate the car, but you kind of hate <laughs> yeah. your life. So if you're going to be paying, if you're, seriously, if you're going to be paying for this car and you've got just that tiny little window of time where you're not a dad, you're not a husband, you're a driver, that car's got to run and it's got to run great. I yeah. love that. So I, I hear you on that, Daniel. So I think there's an interesting uh, grouping here. I mean, I, I kind of want to touch on the ones he's brought up and maybe a couple others, but w- where are you on this?
1: Well, I've, I've kind of gone German. And the only reason is for the sake of polarity. That really is the only reason. Not that any of these choices are bad. I love them all. And yes, Mm -hmm. go drive them all, Daniel. You'll love every single one of them. Any of them that you decide on are great, and we heartily approve. But I just thought, all right, what about these just for, again, sake of polarity and sake of the driving experience? So when you go back to these cars and you decide to buy an S2000... That you have this in your back pocket of this driving experience. So I've gone German, and it is the car manufacturer at the top of the show we named as Average Reliability. That is BMW. I went shopping with uh, 22,000. I kind of fudged the numbers just a little bit. And I found – Sure, You can
0: talk people around a bit.
1: I found an 08 BMW Z4 – for 21 grand, for just about $22,000, with only 22,000 miles on it. To me, that's brand new and will be perfectly reliable. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. I kind of feel like Daniel needs something that not only is fun, that he's also going to be really proud of. To your point, it's just going to be the the car wash and then go for a drive or go for a drive and then Mm -hmm. come back and wash Mm -hmm. it with the boys. That just the shiny new jewel that that is the fun car, that is obviously it's got to be small and tight and fun. But it's just sort of the new shiny thing that you're going to be proud of. And it drives great. And I kind of landed on yeah. the Z4. I thought, I think they're cool. Interesting. I think they drive great. They are. You can they find are. it with yeah, a manual they do. transmission. They do. It's going to have mm-hmm. a completely Definitely. different driving flavor than any of the Japanese cars that you've listed here. Because he already drives yeah. a 2011 Infiniti G37X. So yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's already in this. And I'm thinking... Let's get you tasting the German driving experience, and maybe okay. you'll like it. Maybe you'll hate it. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I just thought, again, for the sake of polarity, for sake of just a different flavor, Sort of like Neapolitan ice cream, there's another flavor in there, (laughs) you know.
0: Interesting. I I see where you're going. I see where you're going. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, and the nice thing about Daniel's situation is if he gets what you're talking about, a 20,000-mile, 30,000-mile German car, I mean, the the running gag is that people start to get frightened of those cars above 60, and it depends on the car you've got. Right. But, you know, this is also going to be his weekend car, which means it's going to stay low mileage for a while. So you get one with 30,000 miles, you're going to have it for a long time before you hit 50 or 60. You obviously have to maintain it, yep. but it's not going to get into wow. This is high mileage. Should I be worried for a while yet, Daniel? So right. that right. is an interesting point that makes makes that opens us up a bit. I want to talk about the usual suspects some, okay. but jump in here if you've got other things in there. But you you've mentioned the S two thousand, and you know what? It hits almost every single box. Naturally aspirated, yeah. reliable, yeah. great handling, manual, twenty thousand dollars. You can hit all of the above. I will say this to you though, when I read your list, I kind of get the sense, Daniel, you want a car that you just can kind of uh, just revel in. You don't have to really try too hard. It's just enjoyable at any speed. And in that regard, I kind of feel like the S2000 comes down a notch. The S2000's awesome. We've talked about it as being great. But for that car to be fantastic, you need to be above 7000 rpms and you need to be pushing and then you realize the glory of it okay mm, that's I can that see car
1: that. i like your comments here and, and keep so, going so
0: there, there's, a, there's a part of me that feels like the mx5 is a better match because the mx5 it doesn't ever feel quite as hardcore as the s2000 it's 80 90% as hardcore as the s2000 but the mx5 is just as much fun at 20 as it is as 70 or 80 It's just a fun, endearing, enjoyable car. And I think if you were on a back road in a Miata, top up, top down, you'd just enjoy yourself. In a way that the S2000, while very fun, kind of you need to be pushing a bit harder for you to go, this is a glorious automobile. So I kind of lean you MX-5 more than S2000 for that reason. Plus, the MX-5s, they just run. They're cheap to buy. They're cheap to run. The S2000s are hanging on to some value because they're unicorns. They're starting to get harder and harder to find, especially in a stock form. So I also think, depending on when you're buying, what about the new upcoming mx 5 Because I think the thing you're saying, Daniel, without realizing it, is you were wanting a light car. This is the reason I think the Z cars are off the table. I read that. If you really want that kind of low speed, enjoyable thing, you need to think about what's this car weigh. Mm -hmm. And the S2000 is not that heavy, the MX5 is light. The new MX5 is going to be even lighter. So go with light cars where you just feel that that inertia that that mass is lower and that's gonna gonna engage you with the car more, which is another reason I think MX-5, and that's the one that leads me to FRS because that low center sure. of gravity, 2,700 pound car, it's not convertible. I think the cruising enjoyment of the MX-5 may be higher if you're just cruising, but the the low center of gravity, that low mass of the of the FRS is uh, it's got to be in here. It can't be ignored.
1: I like this a lot, and I I kind of read between the lines here too. I'm thinking, all right, got a G thirty seven, anything that he gets has got to be smaller and lighter. It just does. I think so yeah. to be the the fun quote unquote fun car because yeah. I'm almost loath to say my other suggestions. You know, at first I thought, oh, the Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Well, that's the Hyundai version of what he already owns, and then I was yeah. kind of thinking, well, what if you could get into a BMW M three, the E thirty six for twenty grand and find something. But those are starting to creep up higher mileage. It might not be the most reliable car. Yeah. Certainly be a I'm lot of fun. I'm worried about the reliability
0: on that comparatively, yeah.
1: But it'd be heavier. And again, it's sort of kind of what you already have. And so yeah, that's I why think, I like the FRS, because you could throw your boys in the back. You Heck, you could take your whole family the key thing. in the FRS that is the key thing. now. You're right.
0: Which is yeah, cool. That is the key thing. You know that? I mean, the MX-5 obviously is out for that. You know, the FRS, it, it it wins points back, not only in being light and agile, and of course, obviously, this includes the BRZ, not only being light and agile, but you could make that a, hey, whole family, I have to take you on this cool drive yeah. in daddy's fun new car. You could take everybody. I mean, I realize it's not the point here, but you could get away with it with the FRS. And then, you know, the MX5, uh, you know, it, it would just be obviously you and your wife could have a fun night out. And I don't think. Here's the other thing about the S2000. I think the S2000, the woman in your life kind of has to be a car lover to appreciate that car. The yeah. MX5 yeah. is just endearing. You can say, honey, let's take the MX5 tonight, and she'll probably enjoy it. Yeah. So there's I can another see thought there as well. I, I think if you were really going just you, maybe MR2 Spider. But mm. the interior of that car is low rent. It is It is fun to drive. It is very agile. They are unique. You don't see very many of them. They're pretty reliable. But that's pretty much a just you car. I don't really think you're going to endear your family to an, to an MR2 Spider because the interior is just not great. It just yeah. isn't.
1: I, I'm liking just, again, coming back to why not the S2000? Why not the MX-5? Really, the, yeah. they're fantastic yeah. choices. So, Daniel, here's the thing. You've got to go drive these cars for yourself, and we're really curious as to what you get because it sounds like you're close to buying. You've watched so many of our reviews. I, I'm sure you're doing research like mad. I'm really curious here because it sounds like he's pretty close to pulling the trigger on something.
0: I agree. And, and everything you say, Daniel, and, and I know, I know I'm, I'm very much reading between the lines, but everything you say, Daniel, I think the key point for you is think about cars that are light,
1: yeah concentrate
0: oh, yeah. on what is a light automobile if you had more money i would say look at the lotus elise because it is a key element here but we're not going that high we're going 20 grand so we're out of lotus elise range i think you've got to look at these cars and think about them in terms of weight and i'm very curious for you i mean we want to too the new mx5 supposed to be like 22 yeah. 2400 pounds oh. that one seems like a good contender here for a fun little car i think we've beat that one up pretty well i hope it was helpful daniel <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Find our videos on YouTube because, again, we've driven a lot of these cars and produced video reviews of them s- expressing yeah. our yeah, yeah. delight. It, it's, you know, hopefully coming across in the podcast, but expressing our delight and what is it like to drive on camera and just, you know, pulling that driving experience out. So check us out on YouTube, Facebook as well for updates. We've got a mm-hmm. lot of plans. Mm-hmm. We're still planning a, a lot of stuff for 2015 and also Twitter for updates. We kind of get snarky sometimes on there and um, – you know it's we do. it's kind of fun but uh yeah check us out really appreciate you guys listening and watching thank you so much
0: yeah Thank you, guys, for being with us. Obviously, if you have not seen one of our films yet, they are available on Vimeo. You can get them on Amazon. That is the 50 Years of the 9-11 and Mid-Engines and Mountains from last year, which was the Alpha 4C, the Lotus Elise. Yes, again. And the Porsche Cayman. Yes, again. (laughs) Uh, So those are out there, too. We are currently, can't talk about it yet, but we are currently prepping this year's film. It's going to be awesome, much more a generational thing in the vein of 50 Years of 9-11. Looking forward to sharing the actual details of that. That is coming soon. And uh, thank you guys, as always, for being with us. We'll be back with you next week.